Hello and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And on this particular episode, we are going to cover Walking After Midnight, which is season one, episode number seven. Written by the Emily Andrus and Caitlin D. Fryers and directed by Brett Sullivan. This one aired May 13th, 2016. And as the, as the reminder, we may talk about anything and everything from the entire series. So if you're brand new to I Know Herb and you just found our podcast and this is your first episode, first off, welcome. Great to have you. But please stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> Go back, you know, rewind. You've seen the whole show, the first four seasons anyway. <laughs> yeah. Binge, binge really fast and then catch up with us later. <laughs> it's like the only podcast where we tell people to stop listening. Yeah, isn't it? That's, you know, <laughs> takes some getting used to. <laughs> <laughs> but, you can go listen to Tales of the Black Badge, or you could go listen to Why Not. Those ones are safe. Those uh, ones are totally safe and in the moment. Uh, but this one we're looking forward and back. So yeah, we don't want to take a chance on ruining anyone. And we do appreciate it because lots of you folks have been doing an awesome job uh, sharing our podcast, mentioning it to the other folks, or, or mentioning it when you've got a newbie watching the show. And, and we can't thank you enough for it, but we do want to be careful. We do. But uh, so there's your warning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this episode is hard for me to talk about without it getting wrapped up into the next episode because it's just I think it's one of the the first episodes we have where it's just so closely tied together. So I'm just going to start with the ending of this one with Nicole's car, both doors open, rolling down the road, bloody handprints on the door frame, old timey crackly music and a distraught doc yelling Winona. How yeah. did you handle that cliffhanger? I was going to say this was, you know, kind of like one of our first, like you said, um, well, not officially two parters, but certainly big cliffhanger with big concern. So yeah, I remember when this first aired, like, Oh my goodness, seven days. I got to wait seven days. <laughs> yeah. I have the tingles just thinking about it because I remember this was one of those big, WTF moments for me where I was just like, wait a minute, that car had hot and it had Winona in it. And now neither one of them are there and there's blood. Like what is happening? Yeah. And especially too, after, and again, in in a typical fashion going uh, back to front, if you will. um, It also, we had that quick conversation between Nicole and Winona that, uh, okay, we're going to kind of get it all out there after kind of being you know, snippy at each other based on what happened. They're like, okay, good. They're going to finally talk it out and everything will be good. And then this happens and like, oh, that's going to derail that too. <laughs> yeah. Nicole's like, she's going to be brought up to speed. You know, she's yeah. thinking maybe of... she's going to be pulled in part of the black badge early on. Yeah. And then <laughs> like, and they're like, we're going to, we're going to continue soon we off bigger this, problems, <laughs> this buddy moment. And they're going to, they're going to have some pancakes. Like this is, <laughs> You know, Hot wasn't in the other episodes. We we have her back where, she, you yeah. know, she wasn't there for a bit. So we're like, okay, you know, she wasn't some character that just was here and then disappeared. She's back. So what's going on? And then this happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did that because I was, you know, I was binging up until season four. So I was able to just go, oh, my God, next and have some resolve, kind of. It's a crazy episode that comes next. But 
Emily does really good cliffhangers, but that was just such a unique, just the car idling down the road with that music. And I got to admit for me too, and I think some other folks based on comments, you know, we've seen from time to time is that at first it didn't totally click that it was Winona and Nicole that were going to be in jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they talked about maybe, you know, going to get the pancakes or whatever, but then we also had the scene with Doc um, looking in the snow with where constant was. So, and then we see the car and I get to admit first time through at first, I'm like, what, what is that? Why are we? Oh, oh, you know what I'm saying? And it, my mind had to kind of click back a little bit. And then my stomach dropped when I realized what it really was. Aside right. from seeing blood on the car door, which wasn't good. It no. was like, oh, that's right. The two of them were, were hidden somewhere. Yeah, when he yells Wynona, it really kind of is like, oh, yeah, that's right. They were both in there. And also in this episode, we don't like it's an interesting episode because we have we have two of our bads, right? We have Constance, who's a big part of this picture. And then we just have that tiny introduction of the villain that, you know, the last of the seven that we don't really see. We have some of his story coming out. Well, we don't even really know for sure if it's a him at that point, as we were fooled before. So we don't even really realize that, like, how much of that story is happening. So it's like, we don't even know that they were kidnapped or who took them. Like, they're just gone. We don't know if a creature came out of the woods and took them. Like, it's just, we're stuck knowing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. And that's why this is definitely one on the rewatches. We really appreciate the setup. And as we know, kind of tying the two of them in together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I was thinking back and I was like, this episode is kind of like, which is Waverly and why not for me? <laughs> ah, good. That's uh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right off the bat, too, we have um, you know, we have this whole scene with Constance and Maddie, the blacksmith. And it just it brings up all my questions again about the witches and their powers. And, you know, because we have Constance who says to Maddie that she she can take care of that tumor in her breast. Mm. So it's like, how does she know this? Mm -hmm. You know, again, like what kind of powers do you possess? And then um, she also kind of does this thing where, you know, because we have Maddie inside the salt circle because that's, you know, she's protecting herself. So Constance can't cross, Constance can't physically cross that line, but it turns out her finger can like do things from afar. Yeah. yeah. And so she like cuts uh, or the, the blacksmith cuts Constance and then Constance can make the blacksmith's eyes bleed, which is very similar to like what Waverly can do when she holds someone's head, like when she did that to Doc and ma'am. So it's just like, what are these like eye bleeding powers that people have? Like, what <laughs> kind of sorcery is this? <laughs> <laughs> It ain't good. We know that. No, it's not good. <laughs> it's like, those are magic tricks. You don't, you don't want to come across. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I'm just like, just thinking of all those things. Like, gosh, that's like, talk about like, certain stories where it's like, you could have these Winona Earp spinoffs. You could just have like the witches of, was it Disney did like witches of Waverly place or something like that. You could just have witches of Winona or witches of purgatory. Witches of purgatory. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I just want to know all about their stuff. Uh, so we also have this like growing interesting tension between doc dolls and Winona. And uh, it's starting to heat up. And I was seeing this where 
Waverly at Shorty's kind of asks if Winona and Dolls are still, and she says, working all weekend, which I kind of thought was Waverly hinting at, like, are you really working all the time or something heating up romantically with you two? Uh, that's how I took it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the two of them, though, you say when you say that, and then you jump into the scene where we have the two of them first looking at the photos and all before he's going to order Chinese. And, you know, that's, I don't know, that feel is definitely a little more than professional. Yeah, it's more like, and he knows what she likes. Like, she, mm-hmm. he knows which place she likes it from. It's going to be a late order. night. You know, we're going to be here late. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we've got this, this budding something. It's definitely heating up. And then uh, Winona is also talking at length about the living conditions. Doc is, you know, he's basically sleeping in the snow in a tiny little tent when she found him. And, uh, Oh, also when um, Dolls at BBD asks her, like, why wouldn't Doc help you look at the photos of the seven? So he's like, what's going on between you two without saying so? Like, why you know, are you fighting? Like, why is he refusing to help you all of a sudden? And then um, she's like, look, I know you don't care about Doc. And then he says, Doc's the kind or she says, Doc's the kind of bad uh, that you want to keep around. And then he says, Winona, you don't become immortal by making deals with angels. You got to go to the other guys. That was a big impactful line early on before we started to learn more. Because the thing I have to remind myself, too, and it comes up with a couple of short mentions at different points in this episode, is we still don't know, Doc, why he was in the well, what really happened. Right. Yet. You know, I mean, we can't, you know, on reflection, we've all been down that road. But at this point, seven episodes in, we're still wondering, okay, he is Doc Holiday, but what's the what? I mean, what's going on? We know he's after Constance, but, you know, why? Besides just putting the well, why did that happen? So, yeah, you know, it's nice to see kind of the back and forth on that and, and the concept of, um, you know, Dolls mentioning that idea of deals with basically devils without saying it. So we don't we don't know much. But after well, what we just saw, what happened to poor blacksmith mm-hmm. you know that's when we start going Ooh, there might be more than just bobo that's going to be around as far as our big bands right and this whole you know the angel drop too mm-hmm. you know, which becomes just, just <laughs> such a, a you know obviously giant thing in the whole scope of the show but for me still at the time not like you may i'm getting this like whole evil thing with you know, these revenants and these demons, but I'm not really thinking very biblical still at this point. I'm just thinking like bad stuff, witchery. I'm still not thinking like good, evil angels. Definitely not thinking about Juan Carlo or Julian. (laughs) Like none of that stuff is even on my right. That's not even the twinkle in our eye yet. (laughs) So it's just like, I heard an angel drop and I was like, Hmm. Yep, that was definitely one of those ding, ding. Okay. Yeah, it just deals <laughs> with the other guy. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the scene in Shorty's with Wynonna and Waverly, where Waverly's like, or Wynonna's like, hey, do you want me? Because Waverly's got her skull still. And she's like, hey, do you want my, you know, my guys at BBD to look at your skull for you? And Waverly's all worried about it. She's like, no, I might not ever see it again. So we also get this sense that like, okay, maybe we can't trust BBD completely, which is interesting that 
Waverly says that because she's so optimistic about so many things in life. And but she's kind of got like the spidey sense all of a sudden where she's like, I don't know. And for her to say that she maybe can't trust BBD completely, even though her sister's working with them. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, this, but that ties in so beautifully with this episode, as you kind of mentioned, uh, it's possible theme early on with the Waverly content, because it's, it's another reminder as we're going to see play out in the episode um, that she may be, you know, Miss Positivity and, and all of the great stuff on her, but she's still smart enough to see when things are going on and to understand things like that, just not totally trusting BBD. Well, uh, and, he, and, and, you know, I'm just, it's another piece of this puzzle as we're going to find out is she, you know, has to be smart to keep herself and Doc alive later on. Well, and all of a sudden, I'm just having this like thought too, where, you know, what we come to find out about BBD later on with the with the whole arc and the the keeping of the demons and um you know how the first time around they what was it like the first time around they got rid of the demons and the second time around they were going to keep the demons and then like that that was their asset right the demons the second time around but if BBD had known that Waverly was part angel at that point, she would not have been safe. No. And, and a little bit of, of interesting content that made me think a little more about that is when Lucado is basically telling dolls, yeah, this, this whole thing failed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who else did you bring in? What are we going to have to do with them? Uh, yeah. A barmaid and, and a criminal. And that's mm-hmm. when I started going, Oh, that same reason. Can you imagine if somehow they were aware way really this early on? That would not have gone well at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's totally just, different story. <laughs> especially with where Locato is at this early on. I mean, she was such a great presence uh, with her introduction here in this episode. Her introduction, and I love that she's like wearing all white too. Which is <laughs> the just, power white pantsuit. <laughs> the power suit. And she's just like, she's not angelic at all you know she's like wearing white which is usually a symbolic of good and angelic and no mm-hmm. she's you know she's maybe tough she, as nails <laughs> maybe she thinks she's the white knight but she's really not in this case uh or shall we say sir really is not in this case <laughs> and later on when we all got to know kate drummond a little bit and and found out just how sweet and everything she is another great situation with an actor who's able to create a character you know so unlike who she is you know in real life it was just because at this time man we were like oh stay out of her way (laughs) yeah absolutely and you know Lucata grows on you a little bit still like grows on you as you know still the the person you don't really want to like but yeah then to have uh, Kate Drummond just be this this (laughs) <laughs> animal loving <laughs> sweetest <Yes>. pie person <laughs> in real life just like, gosh you're so good at being bad i just absolutely love it yes i absolutely love it i just i i could never i'm not an actor that's for sure <laughs> just thinking like i could never in my life like come across as that like how, how do you not break i mean i know they go to theater school and all that but i just 
I yes. just, it, I'm amazed. Better appreciation. Better yeah. appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> I also really liked fairly on, early on in this episode because we've had conversations. I say we, this is the collective we fandom and um, along with you and I and such. Some great uh, foundation stuff for Doc and why he, you know, was living just in the woods and then eventually getting the invite from Waverly. And, and saying he's going to stay in the barn and, and see how that all works out. I, I love how that's positioning itself because Doc yeah. is still being Doc. And as we see in this episode, still making choices that don't make us want to love him a lot yet. Yeah. And I like how it's brought up too. like, you know, Waverly finds out and Waverly being Waverly is like, she's so trust she's trusting, but at the same time, like she sees, she sees beneath the surface of what, who he really is, but then even beneath that layer of his onion, right. Where it's like, she knows that he's, he's tough and that he has ulterior motives for things, but she knows, or she feels at least maybe it's part of her angelness um, that deep down, he is somebody completely different that it, it does have a heart of gold. And I like how she just kind of invites him to stay on the land. Just like, well, we could use someone to watch out for us and, you know, cut firewood kind of thing. And he's also hesitant. Like he's still respectful of it. Like I appreciate it. We should probably check with Winona, see how she feels about it. Oh yeah. He wants, you know, he wants the upper hand with her. He actually wants her to be doing the invite too, not just wave them. <laughs> right. And then too, how it's like, you know, we saw him living on Bobo's land or Bobo's trailer park. Um, and then, you know, now we just see him sleeping under the stars and then to think that, oh, he has been on the land. I always wonder, like, did he sleep in shorties and stuff like that? But again, we we see him here where it's like, okay, he is going to start sleeping in the barn. And then, I, I don't know, I guess eventually he gets his his trailer back and he sleeps on the property there. But it's nice to know that he's like, he's never far away. Yeah. But again, this early in the, in the series, though, we're still seeing that he's not committing. No. He's not committing one way or the other. And and I love to, it, uh, it's, it's a subtle thing. But again, as part of the Earp sister relationship that, you know, I'm going to keep my focus on um, when Doc talks about, um, you know, uh, turning down, helping Winona. Waverly knows about it. Winona told her he Waverly, you know, lets him have it for being, you know, an ass, basically. So there's there's no secrets being had there between the two sisters. Yeah, that's a really good point. We see it. We see it several times where it's like. You know, we don't see it play out on the camera, mm -hmm. but they are in communication with each other all the time. And they don't, you know, while they might keep some secrets, like, you know, that she kissed Nicole later on, uh, things like that. It's they are still having these like bigger conversations that we don't always see. Mm -hmm. They are tight that way. Yes. Yes, very much so. Sisters makes me want to have a sister so much. <laughs> <laughs> now. Back to Maddie and Constance. So, so Maddie's in her assault circle and Constance is like kind of trying to lure her out and she's, she's got the water. Does like, are we to believe this is where I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So are we to believe that Maddie was just, has been there a really long time and is really thirsty? Or do you think that Constance put like, a thirsty spell on her. Maybe I think it's both. Thirst I mean, trap. I don't know. <laughs> you know. She alluded to the fact it had been hours. She complimented her. She thought she'd break easier than that. So we right. know it had been hours. 
But if she can do that little flick thing with the eye bleed and all that other stuff, I got to believe she did another one to basically just totally parch her. Yeah, that's kind of where I was headed because it seemed really drastic. Like Mm -hmm. she had been in the salt field forever and and that's what finally broke her was like just being so thirsty. So I'm like, that had to be. Yeah, I think she just wore her down both mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. I also found in this exchange, it was... It was really interesting to me how when Constance was like, Constance was like, you know, who's got the skull? Who's got the skull? And then finally, Maddie tells her the girl that's finally going to end you. Mm-hmm. I love that Maddie had like this confidence in Waverly. And I wondered what was it that gave Maddie that confidence that Waverly was like the girl who was going to kind of give confidence. Constance a run for her money. Was it something that she felt when Waverly came to her with the skull, you know, or was it something like a witchy intuition she had about her? I don't, uh, I personally don't see a lot of evidence, right? you know, in terms of what we get on screen. But I think as you said that, that intuition, you know, Constance being able to tell Maddie, uh, being sick to a degree and so forth, I'm just taking it the same way that so did the blacksmith. A right. little bit. And after doing the spell of, um, you know, binding the skull to Waverly and all, mm-hmm. might have given her some insight, which then gets me wondering, did she know she was an angel? I know. Because <laughs> she doesn't stick dialogue. around long enough for us to get a lot of no, information see? out of her. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but then, uh, then it made me go back and like kind of do like my Rolodex in my head because I'm like, wait, is Waverly the one who finally does Cludy in? But it's really Tucker who eventually gets her, right? Like he ends up putting her head on the doorstep. Yeah, but well, yeah, that that may have been final blow. But as we know, it's a combination of everything leading up to it, too. I don't know. I'd have to really lay down some some tracks to figure out (laughs) the step by step. (laughs) Who did this first? Because Constance just came back and back and back. So who knows? Uh, I do like to, in this episode, we get like more of Doc and his technology and how like he's a little baffled by current, current days and like technology and even him eating the potato chips. He's like, he eats them like he's never had a potato chip before in his life. And just like (laughs) Tim's acting in that bit was just like, just the look of like euphoria on his face (laughs) when he eats the potato chip. It's just and his concern oh. over the the the, the telephono, yeah, and being being angry and everything. Yes, he does a good job at that, doesn't he? It's very funny, <laughs> and we see it later on too, where he's you know trying to do some of his his stuff in his smartphone throughout the episodes. But that was one that had me giggling, just how far they come. And we get a lot of really good quotes in this episode too. God, you're reading my mind. I'm just looking at the ones I've got in the list here, going. Yeah. This, this episode has got several, several. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the part. Um, this one's not like really big quote worthy, but it, it's one that I really liked is the part where dolls, you know, BBD shows up and is going to bring dolls in. And he he calls Winona to tell her, which is another kind of like gesture that he didn't necessarily have to do. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe professionally, but I think he, he didn't technically have to let her know. He could have just disappeared for a few days. Um, where she's like, is somebody holding you hostage or whatever? Just say pomegranate, pomegranate. if they are. <laughs> I, just, I love that That line. became a fun thing in the fandom, certainly in season one. 
Mm. We'd have fun on Twitter talking about something. Okay, say pomegranate. It's not going the way you expect it. Exactly. <laughs> and anytime your cell phone doesn't work, what do you say? <laughs> you know, when, when everything's going, you know, totally south and going wrong there at the house, poor Steph is like, your reception in, in murder Oh, house yeah, in your murder house is false. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. <laughs> I just said she calls it a murder house. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, see, these are little subtle things sometimes, not on the first watch or two, realizing some of the humor, because it's happening sometimes in really tense situations like that line is when everything's going horrible and everything else. The same way that Waverly has got some great lines, you know, once the, the zombie part starts and she knows what to do. And the fact that she knew the point to, to kill someone at has got bigger than, you know, she's just rattling the stuff off so fast. You got to kind of go with your subtitles and, and rewatch and realize how much she knows and also how much fun it is to hear her talk about it. Talk about the ring and the <laughs> cubic circle. Oh, yeah. Everything else is just, it's just wonderful. You miss, you miss the stuff I miss, certainly. You, you miss know. so much of it. And like that scene too, and I might go back to it when I get to my notes later too, but like that whole part where Waverly is just like, he comes in and they're convinced he's a stripper, right? And Waverly's, well, first of all, she knows she didn't order a stripper. So there's that. <laughs> like, I think I would remember <laughs> doing that, but you can see her just scanning the situation. Yes. Right? She notices that his eyes see the shotgun on the mantle. And she mm -hmm. clocks that and that he notices the axe near the fireplace. Like right. you can see her doing this like mental math of like, okay, is he going to try to grab my gun? Is he going to try to grab my axe? Just like the wheels are turning and, um, you know, she's, she's got her book smarts, she's got her street smarts and she seems all sweet little Waverly, but she, you know, there's a lot more to her than, than meets the eye. That's for sure. Yeah. This is such a, another one of those. Very cool episodes to see, you know, the growth. The next scene that I have, you know, for me, and I, I'm sure it's for many others. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how it's not for others. <laughs> you know, this is like. There's an episode seven. I, yeah, this is a seven. <laughs> this is what I consider the inception of why not. I uh, mean, yes. Ding, ding, I, ding. Absolutely. I, don't, I, I think it's just canon at this point. Like, <laughs> dare I say. but. Um, this is the start of their friendship for me. This is, you know, Winona just like standing in the doorway, knocking on the door, seeing that Nicole's staying late in on a Saturday. Drink them, in hand, of course. Yeah. Them, you know, sitting there drinking, commiserating and like Winona opening up to, you know, hot just came back to us. Like she, again, she wasn't in those scenes, but so like stuff is clearly been building up behind the scenes that we haven't seen, you know, they must've run into each other and, uh, at the offices and stuff. Um, and then for her to open up and tell her this story about how Stephanie said that she should get a butt lift is, you know, kind of a vulnerable, I mean, it's a funny story, but it's also kind of a vulnerable thing to tell somebody. And then Nicole immediately defending her ass saying it's top mm -hmm. shelf, it's top shelf. Um, and so we get, we get that great line. Um, and then for Winona to then be even more vulnerable and ask her if she thinks that she's pulled Waverly too close or pulled waves too close. And then you have Nicole just replying with such an insightful line saying, I think Waverly has spent her whole life tailoring who she is to the people she's with. She's only now just starting to figure out who she really wants or what she really wants. Um, 
you know, so it's just little slip saying who they're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, not wrong. That didn't she, say it was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, does she get the sense already that, you know, is she talking about that she wants to be with Nicole? Is it talking about, you know, does Nicole feel in her heart of hearts that she can already feel that they're going to be together? Like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um just this whole situation too, where it's like, we start to learn so much about Nicole in this scene, who we really haven't had a chance to sit down with, um, you know, so that she's like, a, she's a good friend, she can listen, she, you know, is, is insightful. She's a cop, but she's also like a little bit lonely, like they're both playing this like lonely bit. Uh and that she's not above like breaking the rules. Like, is she still on duty sitting at her desk and she just has a drink with Winona while she's there? Or has she clocked out? We don't know. Um, I just, I, that scene. And I, I love the fact you talk about tying it in and, and Winona being vulnerable a little bit later when things start to get weird. And now Winona is getting a little more concerned and shutting down a bit. She even talk, mentions to Nicole, you know, yeah, you know, in a way like she's being you know, paranoid of, yeah, you've taken quite the interest in myself and my sister. So why not as aware of it too? Yeah, that's um, a good point. You know, and be, for someone who normally wants to keep everybody, you know, arm's length is even too close. Um, the fact that she recognized that, and like you said, was willing to sit down and talk to her. So they were bonding a bit, but then getting concerned when there was a chance that Nicole wasn't who she appeared to be. But also I love too, in that way, that Nicole is still annoyed as all get out that why known as the gets the crazy case person and shouldn't I get a shot at this? Cause I'm good at my job. So I love that the two of them can be a little vulnerable, but then also when, you know, do you know what hits the fan and they need to take a broader picture of what's going on? Boom. Still state exactly what they think and are afraid to say what they think to protect each other. Not so much, you know, in that we have a relationship case, but in a, okay, now I need to worry about what's important. Cole has got to think about being, you know, part of the law and why no one has got to worry about what's going on with Waverly. Yeah. When they're, when they're kind of questioning, like, well, I don't know, you kind of disappeared for a minute and weird yeah. stuff Couldn't happens you? when you're Couldn't around. You? Yeah. And the way that Nicole says you of all people should know better than to try to make me question my sanity. Sanity. Yeah. You know, so she throws it right back at Winona in a way that she knows she'll understand. And to, to be able to see that, I don't know, it's almost like their relationship was, was good from the get-go because on a, on a level, they understand each other in a way, you know, it's like when you're first getting to like know somebody, most people are like a little more cautious about what they say around other people, but it's like these two kind of have that way with each other right from the get-go of just, like you said, just calling it like they see it. And it seems to work on a level that they both understand with each other. And again, like we see more of these sides of Nicole's character that like She's friendly, but she's not going to take crap either. But, that's know, exactly she- both both of them. That's where it's and you talked about it. Any relationship besides even these two, any of us, sometimes when you start to open up a bit with someone, you're hoping you can be closer friends with or whatever it might be. If you then have something happen that makes you question that choice, don't you naturally get very defensive? Right. It's not just, uh, oh, OK, I'll back off and not do it. But if something happens like happened to them <laughs> in all the crazy stuff. It's natural that they then hit back hard. 
just very biting answers to each other, almost accusing each other because you just feel like, okay, maybe I opened up too much. My bad. I shouldn't have done that. But they're, they're doing it just in a natural sense of, of what they know, but also hoping it's not true. Right. It's, you know, I, I love that we can go back here to the seventh episode of the entire series. <laughs> and we know where this relationship is going to go and how much, yeah. you know, we all love it. And to start, or at least for me, I won't speak forever, but just to almost overanalyze every word they're using here, but show how it's the start of something special. But also at this point, since it is still so new, just like any of us have ever been in any relationship, romantic or otherwise with someone, there's still that period where you're like, oh, did I make a mistake? Did I open up too much? And that it's it, their, their beginning seems so, so uh, natural, right? Like it seemed like, but they're going to go through what, you know, we come to see is just so much stuff. Like, you know, they're going to have their fights. They're going to question each other. They're also going to have each other's backs a million times over. Um, and then just to see, like, she ends up being Nicole's best woman. I mean, <laughs> gosh, it's just come on. <laughs> That's then, what makes it so fun to go back to this very beginning seven. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like you, you've you got your your inception of way hot and then you've got your inception of why not. And it's just, <laughs> I can just watch uh-huh, that uh-huh. scene alone just so many times. Oh, oh. And, and again, it's, you know, I don't know, three minutes long. I don't know how long it was, but just like so much happens there. And, you know, they bond over the photo and, you know, they're working the case together. So they've got that common interest and you know they can it shows that they can not only speak to each other on a level that's intimate and personal but they they also work together well as a team right off the bat with their wouldn't 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 it have been something and again put a star on this for a potential season five or something because they joke about it other times throughout the first four seasons if the two of them actually did work together somehow direct i mean directly like you know I know it took a position in the in the in the office or or whatever. I, I the, you talk about your buddy cop movie mm-hmm. that would just be gold. The two yeah. of them, like you said, would go from literally putting their lives on the line for each other eventually to wanting to kill each other more so than the bad guy. It would be just like <laughs> a way better version of Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's bringing it all back. <laughs> I like to, in the postmortem with Bridget, how Bridget brings up, you know, she basically asks Emily and she says, it was fun to see Winona and Hot working together and bonding a bit. Why did you want to pair these two up? And I'm just going to read what Emily says because it's it's too good to paraphrase. She says, I think it's good for Winona to start getting some allies in town in addition to her boss, the guy she has slept with and her sister. I think that Nicole doesn't come with the burden of the history of the town and of Winona's reputation in the town. I just love depicting depicting female friendships on screen, and it's always something that can use a little more love in television. I love that they are so different. The other thing I like with that storyline is that it shows the other way the curse is going to eat away at Winona. She's never really sure who she can trust. When all that stuff went down with the card in the morgue in the body, she confronted Nicole about possibly being the bad guy. That is 100% a possibility at this point as Nicole is new in town and we don't know much about it. 
So it was interesting to get into Winona's head and see how the paranoia can eat you alive. Again, I didn't, I didn't, I'm reading these postmortems for the first time as we do this. I didn't have this when I was watching the episodes because I was just binging like I was eating potato chips watching the <laughs> show. Uh, so it's interesting to see this because I never, like, it took me a while to really trust, not trust Nicole, but trust that Nicole was just who Nicole was. I was so worried for so many times that Nicole was going to end up not being just who Nicole was. I always was like, is, especially when the cult, when the, um, the cult of Bolshar stuff goes down, I'm like, is she part demon? Is she like, I had so many things going on in my head. I was so paranoid of on my own. My paranoia was eating me alive. That hot was too good to be true. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's, you know, that's the beauty of such a well-written show, right? Yeah. You know, and- we, we start to trust things too much. Sometimes they come back and they get us. And, mm-hmm. and we're also, again, wonderful to see in the scope of the whole series. I think you know, we're only seven episodes in. I'm having such a deeper appreciation for just how bad Winona had it from all the stories. Not that, we, not that I didn't hear him first however many times through this series, but now purposely trying to think of it in the scope of four seasons. No wonder she's paranoid. No wonder she's just snapping at people and doing things. No wonder she drinks as much as she did. It's a miracle that she's still, you know, able to deal with things on a, on a decent level with all that everybody and the curse and the revenants and all that goes with it is going on. So it's such a nice balance too, though. Like you reading what Emily said there, when you think about Nicole and yeah, she is new to town, so there's going to be that, hmm, what don't I know? But it's also part of hoping that you're like watching these characters, you know, they're all circling the story, certainly at this point in season one. And, and now we all know how much they're just coming together as a group. You know, that's the thing that I just love to see. They're all got their own agendas still a little bit, but they're all starting to and it's an audio podcast, folks, but my hands are starting to come together to show that everything's coming into a center. It's, it's interesting, too, because it gives me a new respect for what it must have been like for Nicole to come into purgatory as an outsider. Because this is a town deeply rooted in knowing who's who in purgatory. And it's full of gossip and it's full of rumors and lore and curses and you know a lot of people who have a lot of judgy opinions about everything right and then here walks in you know the gay cop who's doesn't have any ties to this town well we didn't know she has any ties to this town (laughs) nobody else did either um you know but just there's just this outsider so it's like yeah it's great that she doesn't have that tainting her judgment of anyone else, which quite honestly, I don't know that it would, would have mattered knowing who Nicole is. Uh, but just what we see later on with her, like having some of her fears about being judged, what it must've been like for her to come into town as a newcomer. And they, they help with that foundation though, even because when we're, they're talking at the quote unquote engagement party, about Waverly's choice with champ and, you know, Hey, they on a lot of dating choices here in purgatory. Again, that small nature of everything, they're just reinforcing it. 
even more. So yes, uh, it's one thing for a small town, but for a tiny town with such a history. Um, yeah, that's for Nicole. But I also, speaking of Nicole, and we, we know what's going to happen with her and Nedley in that relationship. I also love the quick mention that meant nothing first time through the series when they're Waverly and Chrissy are up in Willa's room. Oh, and I Waverly's, know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Um, hearing Chrissy t- with her dad telling her, put, you know, as many people as possible between you and the perpetrator or the problem, whatever. So again, Ned, Nedley and his, his parental nature, mm-hmm. you know, even with Chrissy, which it's documented here in episode seven. And, you know, we, we haven't had Nedley in an episode in a while either, but we still have those. I like when we have those character drops, uh, not only of like speaking about the character, but then speaking about the character of the character too, where, you know, she's, <laughs> you know, Chrissy's scrappy too. She's been taught by a cop dad mm-hmm. that like a cop dad who we find out later knows about the kind of crap that's been going on in this town and has brought up a child single-handedly single parent, you know, to stay alive in this town. So yes, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm surprised Chrissy's not more scrappy. Quite honestly, I'm a little disappointed in the way she acted at the homestead, being brought up by a cop who knows all these things. I feel like she could have been a little more aware. <laughs> well, but I also think in this episode she's a little like the representative of of us as the audience. Like, oh my god, look at everything that's going on around me. I'm just going to stand here and stay out of the way a little bit. Um, yeah. So you know, kind of an audience represent representative a little bit in this episode. You know, she's yeah, a little deer in the get, headlights. Yeah, she doesn't get killed or turn into a zombie, but at least she 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 makes some smart choices at a couple of points when things are going bad. And and we do finally get a little bit more of the story um, about Doc in the well in this episode, where he does tell Waverly that you know Constance is the one who made me ageless. She threw me in the well. I didn't get out. On my own, I only got out because we don't have left the damn rope there. Um, and then later on, Waverly's like, but, but it doesn't make sense. And she, she's like, why would she give you immortality only to throw you down a well? Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't even know that I was asking that question. I was like, good question, Waverly. Yeah. And then, you know, Constance goes on later to, to say it's because, you know, he loved Wyatt and Wyatt killed my boys and then waverly again brings up a great point that no if if he killed them they would have resurrected and then that's when yeah, we find out showing us how smart she is yeah knowing, that, the, dif- knowing the difference but no because they weren't human mm-hmm. and again we have more of that like there's a little bit of a difference between revenants which are you know cursed and demonry you know those worlds are are different which I was not properly schooled in. So, well, again, it's doing it for us as the audience, telling, letting us know it's not just quote the black and white side of it, right? You know, the 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 side other than good has got revenants, demons. Oh my goodness, a witch and her non-human sons? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get some werewolves later. We got zombies. On. We got you know vampires. Okay. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and, you know, she goes on to say that, you know, they're an evil, there's an evil far greater than your revenants, Waverly. And Waverly says, well, then we'll stop it. Okay. Haven't you read a romance novel lately? 
heroes, heroes always, always win. win. I love it. I Goosebumps. love her confidence where she's like, okay, fine. We're going to stop it though. Whatever it is, bring yeah. it on. Bring, bring it. it on. We're she here is, for she it is all. facing the witch and she literally throws that skull against the side of the barn. Just like basically F you. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, the whole setup with the, with the Nicole and Winona, you know, speech where Nicole says, you know, she's just figuring out who she is. And then we go on to see just how she's figuring out who she is through this whole, this whole episode. Right. And how, you know, you, how you pointed out where, you know, she really gives it to Stephanie saying, you know, yeah, I'm the freak who knows the most least, the most lethal place to stab someone. And, you know, about the ring and all that, where it's just like, how she even says six months ago, I would have been too polite to mention that your ring is cubic zirconia and ugly as shit. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, is it, has it been six months that Nicole's been here and kind of challenging her to find herself? Has it been six months since Wayne Noon has been back? Uh, it's just, it's more to it than like what, what we read into it now where it's like, okay, this was Waverly figuring out, um, you know, that she's attracted to Nicole or that she loves Nicole. And it's like, no, it's, it's this broad spectrum where she's also, you know, finding her voice where she just doesn't put up with any crap from them, um, where she doesn't listen to doc when he basically tells her to like, you know, stay put, you know, stay out of trouble. I'll take care of this. She sneaks out the window and goes and confronts Clue to yourself. You know, she's, she, she goes, to the the blacksmith and and gets bound to the skull. I mean, she's she's so brave, you know. She's just she's so unassuming and just so badass at the same time. It's like it's so easy to see that Winona is clearly badass, right? But then it's like you've got this other scale on the badass scale, and Waverly's right behind Winona. Well, and it's something that you know, talking about the behind the scenes stuff that Dom mentions. Um, very much so. And and you laid out the, some of the examples. Waverly is very much now coming into her own. Right. And it ties back to the quote you mentioned earlier of what Nicole said. It's her own, not everybody around me and their thought about who I should be. And it's episode seven. <laughs> you know, like who she, who she's going to be, what she's going to be. It's just, it's, it's, it's just such a rich story. And I know we say this every time, but I like to how we see that Waverly is always defending the people that are most important to her. And, you know, the part where she goes upstairs, which none of us still really understand what's upstairs, <laughs> but uh, she goes to get the skull from where she was hiding it, which is such a great hiding spot. And then Chrissy goes on to say, uh, Waverly says, just trust me, Chrissy, right? And she says, I do. I always have. And then she says, remember that time when we were 13 and the boys, they tried to lock me in a porta potty and you took a stick and you started whacking the leader in the balls. Who turns out it was Champ Hardy, Waverly. <laughs> Why did you ever? Ugh, limited I options. Know. I get it. Okay. There we go. See, um, circled back. Circled back. <laughs> and she says, you never stayed out of a fight waves. You were the one who always knew how to win it by any means necessary. Uh, and then she goes on to say that Willa would be proud of her, which again, we've got that little like sprinkle of Willa, 
would she really be proud of you? No, because she's a jerk face. But <laughs> let's wait <laughs> uh, on that. Put we'll a pin, put in, a pin that. in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, and she knows why Nona is proud of her. And then that's when Waverly realized that the stone witch is just another bully. But I love to how. So it's like we get this glimpse of 13 year old Waverly and how, you know, Waverly's petite now. Imagine petite Waverly at 13, right? But still (laughs) going up against champ, just fine. I'm going to whack him with a stick. And I love too that like how many times throughout the series do we see Waverly basically with a stick? Like it's the big wooden spoon. It's like she'll just grab anything and make it into a weapon. (laughs) which i love because it's like she's been doing that since she was 13 she doesn't have peacemaker okay she needs something she's scrappy (laughs) i love scrappy yeah it is (laughs) and i love that we can bring all of these different things and looking at the scope again of the four seasons we can in our own heads kind of twist and turn and Just get the puzzle piece to fit just nicely there because it matches what's going to come. The part, you know, of course, there's the the part where Waverly goes out, confronts Constance, knowing now how cold that was to shoot that scene and hearing in the behind the scenes and how we've heard, you know, over and over again in, in panels that they've done how I don't even know the conversions with Celsius and, and Fahrenheit, but it was below zero. It it's a lot. Very cold. <laughs> and that tiny little gold dress. A tiny, it doesn't matter. And and the poor stripper guy too, like he's in his boxer shorts. He's <laughs> got a little more body mass than, than Waverly, but, uh, or Dom, but still it's, uh, it never, I've lived, you live where it's cold. I've lived where it's cold. It never goes over me that the things they have done just to produce this show as, as actors. And I know they have warming tents. And as soon as they yell cut, someone runs out and puts a blanket on them. But like when you get like that deep in your bones, cold feeling, it doesn't just magically go away. The second you have a blanket draped over you, it it takes a bit for your body to thaw out so that they can do what they do as well as they do under those conditions. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yep. I mean, Dom talked about it in the behind the scenes. And also um, we had them on the Tales of Black Badge for a quick interview after this episode aired. And they talked even more about how cold that was. But yeah, again, once we in season two, Bridget, Bonnie and I got to be on set and watch them filming things. It's one thing when you see the actors outside like this was, but also keep in mind that uh, like that uh, the fight scene that we saw filmed there in 210 that's a building that doesn't have heat, folks. <laughs> right. So even some of the indoor scenes where you're seeing them, it's in a location that has no heat and the temperature is well below freezing. So, um, you know, yes, some of the set is, is sets, you know, in a studio, but not all of it. So like you said, the, what they go through is actors. Right. Wow. Just and wow. Then, and then the costumes they have to put on on top of it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, not always helping. I'm sure leather <laughs> pants aren't the warmest in those conditions. So, <laughs> and I love that line too, where Waverly, get, you know, gets slammed up against the barn by Constance. <laughs> She's just like, I'll never play piano. <laughs> She's like, do you play piano? No. <laughs> 
for a brief second that first time through the show, I was like, wait a minute, have we seen her play on the piano? And, and I'm not counting Pop Goes the Weasel. I was just going to say, we got Pop Goes the Weasel. It's more than I can do. That's, but... that's three or four keys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have this, this other rich scene where, you know, Doc and Waverly are in the kitchen and she tells him that he needs to be man enough and tell Winona what happened. I love that. I absolutely adore that. Because I talked earlier about the fact that they share everything. Right. But she knows how important it is to tell him, I ain't going to tell her that. You're yeah, there's some to. things that are your job. I'm Ex- not going to do your responsibility. dirty work for you. Yeah. And she says, you do love her after all. Oh, but that's big. That was big to hear that. And so early on, like, I don't know that I really like was going down the love route that early. And he's like, love, well, that's a little rich. And that's when she lets him have it. Right. And she Mm -hmm. says there, you wanted to know what your tell is. You're always lying. And it's just that glimpse early on of like how good she is at reading doc. And it, you know, we go even further back where she says, you know, I, I, I'm a good judge of people. Like I can tell, you know, he's one of the good guys kind of thing. My note is like, mm, I'm not sure you're right on. I'm not sure you're on the nose about this one. But again, it's just like reinforcing this, like these little things that are leading up to, you know, what we're going to see later on. And it's just like this this amazing relationship that they have. He's not just a good man. He's going to be. Her the best, best man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Insert crying emoji here. I know. <laughs> it's just, and why no? Again, um, in in the postmortem with Bridget, Bridget asks, and I'm paraphrasing here, if Waverly is right and does Doc love Winona, and Emily's answer is. <sighs> you know, it's an Emily answer. So it's like, I don't ever want to just like paraphrase it. And she says, I find Waverly really seems to see doc with clear eyes. Um, There's something interesting in that, even though she's such an optimist and sees the best in people, she's not naive. You're cheating again. You're looking at my paper. (laughs) (laughs) Got that quote right here. (laughs) Yeah. She's, Quite so clear-headed important. about yes. what Doc is, which is a liar, <laughs> but she still chooses to occasionally put her faith in him. And it's just, you know, it's so sweet, too, because it's like, would Doc have been able to become the best man if she didn't sometimes put her faith in him? You no, know? I don't think so. I don't think so. She helped to mold him. Sometimes forcibly sometimes subtly <laughs> sometimes no, kicking think about and it, screaming yeah think about it just in this episode just even little mentions you know friends don't let friends get you know gutted or whatever in terms of inviting him into the barn you know a nice way to get him out of a little harm's way mm-hmm. but also you know in no uncertain terms telling him, you got to tell why not okay you got to tell him what you did you got to tell him what's going on you know that's the kind that's the friendship that you want someone who is not going to let you pull that crap, as we all know, you know, in relationships, we all have as friends or whatever, when you can really appreciate someone who makes you be a better person right? by reminding you that you really are, you just maybe made a mistake and need to take ownership of it. And it's so fun to see 
the little the little ways and the big ways that they've all impacted each other's lives throughout the whole four seasons, right? And how Again, I'm I'm doing my circle yeah. closing in. This is He's what like, happens over these 48 49 episodes. He's like picture <laughs> Dr. Strange, like trying to make those portals open with his hands is kind of what Kevin's doing. <laughs> Never thought we'd have a Marvel connection. Well done, Anne. Well done. I just saw Spider-Man, so it's fresh <laughs> in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, it's just so sweet. And it, I just love the craftsmanship that Emily and the writers put into the episodes where it's like, you have your demon you know, your demon hunting and you have your, your mystery and your intrigue, but then you have these sweet moments that are very tiny, but in the big picture, just really lead to something special. And, you know, again, like people deserve second chances and he gets a lot of chances, but just how, how kindness begets kindness, you know, it's like, she's kind of shaping him in, into the, again, like you said, the man he's going to become just having a little faith sometimes if you believe in people uh, they'll they'll do better and it's interesting too because you have Waverly who's like tw- what is she here 20 22 ish she's like yeah, in her early 20s yep. and she's like this guy's 130 years old granted he hasn't lived it's interesting because he's not world. He's not 130 years old worldly, like because he spent a lot of it in a well. So like your life experiences are kind of stymied when you're stuck in a well for most of it. Um, but again, he's lived more life than she has. And here she's the one giving him this worldly advice. Very kind true. Of, you know, yeah. being the grown up in this situation and she's <laughs> the youngest of all of them. <laughs> exactly. It's coming into her own. And then we have the moment after the whole Cludy incident at the homestead where Nicole's taking down the information from Chrissy. No, she's talking to Chrissy here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Winona walks up and she asks if her sister's okay. And, uh, you know, are you going to finally tell me why some of these cases are too complex? They agree to go for pancakes. And then we have that meaningful eye contact exchange between Nicole and Waverly smiling at her from her front porch. Front porch. Going to hear that next episode. Going to hear that later. But like to see it and then hear it in the next episode, it's like she was smiling at her from that front porch. And then to just have like one of the end scenes being her wife smiling at her on that front porch. Just that whole, you know, we have a lot of porch scenes. This is one of the good ones. And, and don't forget the way Nicole opened that conversation too. Yep. So she scissored a stripper. Oh God. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that with Casey and she just like lost her mind. Like, Did she just say scissoring stripper? <laughs> yep. And then when we also get like, you know, the graphic hand motions that like Winona <laughs> will throw up later on in the episodes, it kind of ties into there. It's just, just so good. Like, it is, isn't it? Oh. It's like, which came first? The like, <laughs> we're going to have her stab him with scissors or the line. Like, do you put the scene <laughs> in because you want to use that line? Like, oh, it'd be so funny if like she like 
stabbed him, you know, uh, it's just like, you know, they came up with it after like too many out. Oh, my Alexa is going off. Alexa, stop. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Alexa uh, wants in on this conversation. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can just imagine this is like, no, wait, let's have a line. She's scissor to stripper. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, the other good ones are uh, when Doc shows up with the wood. <laughs> don't be cross. Yep. I got wood. I got wood. <laughs> That's, that's so much fun going back, going on Twitter, and, and I'm looking at my notes going, oh, yeah, there's gifts of that. Yeah, gifts of that. Oh, yeah, yeah that one, too. That one, too. <laughs> oh, it's just, not yeah. that well, I shouldn't say not, because this is the Erper dump, but, you know, someday I'd love to see that tally of, you know, the official Twitter GIF library. How many are from each episode of Erp that are out there? <laughs> it's so fun, too, because, like, sometimes there'll be one I'm like, I want to reply to somebody and in my head, I can see the scene that I want. And I'm like, I know I've seen that gif. I just don't know exactly how to search for it. So like some of my searches are like, yeah, (laughs) what terms are going to get me to that? I'm like bunny love law. Why choose just one? No, too much. Just what if I just put in bunny love law? Like (laughs) what'll come up? Like what if I just put in scissoring a stripper? What? That's a dangerous one. You don't know what might come up. (laughs) And Winona Earp. Okay, now we're safe. <laughs> uh, uh, some of the fun of social media, though. I know. It's a good time. And it's uh, <laughs> it takes a while to learn, that's for sure. Yeah, and then we have, you know, Lucado and Dolls. And he's she's like, you know what? Time's up. You haven't given us what we've been yep. looking for. And he's like, wait a minute. He does like the self-preservation thing. Well, not just self-preservation because, you know, She's about to go all in on that town. Um, and it's like, how much do they know? Like, how, you know, what do we have to do here? And he's making it sound like he's going to give her doc. Is that the way you've always kind of read I, it? I, yeah, because for me, the thing that's very fun on the rewatches is at this point, I had no idea what he was referring to. I really didn't. And it's not till, you know, the upcoming episodes that we'll find out you know, from the, um, like the facts or whatever it was that got, uh, Oh yeah. The, yeah ripped the up paperwork. into a million pieces, the paperwork mm-hmm. that like, Oh, that dolls must've done sent that in. And that's the way that he, yeah. You know, again, I love that. It's all tied together. First time through, I'm like, I have something that's, we've never, what? I don't know what you're talking about, dude. You're just, you're pulling yeah. stuff out of the air just to avoid having your division shut down. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't just pulling out of the air. He obviously had that as his, Okay, if everything else fails, I'm right. giving her doc. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, again, this just reminds me of the deal that Nicole makes with ma'am. And it's like, poor doc is, is always the pawn in someone's chess game that's <laughs> willing to, you know, be traded for, for something else or to get somebody out of a bind. And But he's also the one who most understands it because he would do the exact same thing if stuck in that situation. Yeah. And we, we find out, yeah, later on, like they'll beat you. Yep. And yeah, that he's like, all right, now that you've explained yourself, I get it. Yep. <laughs> uh, the other thing that, uh, that I was curious about too, was, you know, so we see where doc's like scooping up the snow of Clutie's because her blood is in there. So he's getting her blood and he's putting it in a little tin. And that's when he, he reaches his shoulder and we find out he's injured. And it's because he shot her and they're bound together. So then 
he's also like gets that injury as well. But it made me think of Jolene 2.0 and how when Waverly threw her into the coat hook, Waverly also got hurt. Oh, excellent. Excellent so connection there. Yeah. Like that whole binding together thing that like worlds that have been mentioned, but we don't really know all the properties or mm-hmm. rules about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. No, it's a lot. There's, you know, another one's episode. So sometimes when you first go through it, you go, okay, there's not a ton here. And then you start doing what we're doing. We're doing. <laughs> go, and oh, it, yes, and I forgot too that, like, I, rem- I remember the car going through, but I forgot that what's going to happen next wasn't actually in this episode at all. The, the seven guy, like mm-hmm. I forgot. I, for, I thought the way I'm remembering it, I thought he was like made some appearances in this episode. Other than in the picture and with his little spade right. discussion at the morgue. You're right. Yeah. And how good is she that she caught that too? Yeah. That That's why, yeah, even Reggie's her asking her if she had like a forensics training or something to catch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also so curious, and I don't know if I should get into it now or next week, but Reggie, like the whole thing, I'll probably, we should put a pin in it. The whole thing with Reggie. <laughs> okay. Like, was he in on it here already? Or does he get in on it later? Like, he was so good in this episode of like I seeming I... like a fine guy. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it next time. But quick answer now is I thought he was already in it, which is why he wasn't as freaked out with the card in the mouth when they came back in after going into the freezer. Yeah, maybe he was too straight about it, like Mm -hmm. overly calm. You're right. Gosh, these episodes. I just I know I'm to the point where like I. I'm behind in a lot of other watching, but I would love to just watch sequentially too. But then I get too confused to do a podcast. <laughs> like I said, I thought this episode and the next episode had more crossover than they did. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, for the sake of conversations, I know I can't go forward. Uh, anyone who's listened to Tales of Black Bad stuff knows that I used to talk about how at the beginning of the seasons when sci-fi would often release screeners for like the first four episodes ahead of the start of the season, the excitement of wanting to gobble it all up um, got me one year. I think it was season two and it was so tough to then do podcasts and have online discussions, having to remember, wait a minute, did that happen in two or three or was that four? I hated it, man. I was so paranoid. So, as much as the excitement was to want to watch ahead, same way here, talking about these, I'm waiting till we're done before I move to the next one, just to make sure I don't cross cross yeah. those lines. <laughs> I have to keep it fresh or I'll, I'll never, as, as much as we can overlap and It'll jump bleed. around. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'll miss most of the, the themes I want to cross over about or talk about because I'll be too confused about what episode I'm in. Oh, one thing I did want to mention was when I was looking something up for this episode, I got myself down a little rabbit hole of a website that I've been on before, but haven't spent a ton of time on. But it's um, it's a blog that's done by uh, the folks who do the special effects for Winona Earp and many of the other shows, Bleeding Art Industries. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun if you just want to deep dive down into to more of the the world and the 
the stuff the that they create and yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's, um, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's bleedingartindustries.wordpress.com. And it's just so cool to see the special effects and like uh, some of the makeup and the, you know, when we see limbs that, you know, Levi's chewed off limb, like how they did it and, and behind the scenes photos of it. It's really kind of cool. Um, but so I got down a little bit of a rabbit hole today with that. So I'll put that in the show notes. But um, just before we go, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our fellow podcasters, the Bingetown TV podcast. It's been a lot of fun interacting with them, listening to some of their podcasts. Their Winona ones they've done and some other shows too. Yeah, they, uh, they're a good time. And it's a podcast where basically friends pitch TV pilots to each other to see which ones they're interested in, in binging on. Um, I mean, we've done that before. <laughs> and uh, I, I think their, um, their friend Kathleen was the one who was pretty persuasive with her love for Winona Earp. And now they've been covering all the seasons. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to listen to. So um, we're going to put their trailer at the end of this podcast. So give them a listen and then go check out their podcast. You can visit us at herbologypodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail. We love hearing from you. And you can also email us through our website or directly at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at herpology underscore pod. Absolutely. We appreciate all of you taking the time to, to listen in on, on crazy different rabbit holes Ann and I will go down. It's certainly a blast doing it. You know, we could do it for hours. So <laughs> we try to limit ourselves to an hour a week just to uh, get it out of our system. That's so right. Got to make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care all. Bye. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast.